go. Listen up. Here's the story. About a little blue guy. About a little guy. Okay. That lives in a blue world. Okay. Sorry. Forgot the lyrics. And all day and all night. And everything he sees is just blue. Corn chips. Taffy. That is appropriate to this chapter. Yes, it is. Thank you. Did you forget the chapter? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series, chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter three of The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called, Grover Unexpectedly Loses His Pants, and that entire title is one sentence of the chapter. In fact, the last sentence of the chapter. So... I feel like we kind of buried the lead on this. Anyway. I don't know what that expression means. Anyway. My name is Eddie. I'm the super of an apartment building in New York. And I get roped into playing these stupid poker games with one of my tenants. His name's Gabe. He's kind of a kind of a jerk to his kid. Hey, 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 hey. Um, We're already rewriting the chapter in the intro. Don't, don't, don't. I'm, I'm, Save something for later. Also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host. I'm Grover, finally free of those leg prisons. Ah, the leg prisons. That's what we call pants. Yep. Also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. You've completely forgotten the uh, well, it's, order of operations here I've on the podcast. I've done 200 episodes as Chronically Narnia yeah. with, like... Now you're trying to throw in character context into the intro? Like, what is this nonsense? Oh, come on. I always did that. Uh All right. So this chapter, though. This chapter. Yeah. You told me this chapter was an exposition dump when you read it before me. And while I agree with you, this chapter also covers a lot. Like, my bullet points are half a page long. I had like ten, but... Have a college rule page long. <laughs> uh, college we... rule? What's wide rule? Half a wide rule page long. Yeah, it's one of those. It's for, for sure. It's not your grid notebook that you recently got. Oh, I need to. Uh, that's in the living room. I know what it is. <laughs> you you just reminded me it existed. Uh-huh. You were so excited when you got it. Yes, I still am. So, um, should we apologize to the listeners for taking so long to get another episode out? Eh, it's your fault. So, no, you can. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, I've been working a lot. Yeah, we haven't had a good time to record because our schedules have been crazy and we're trying to, you know, take care of ourselves and keep our marriage healthy. Yeah, which is all that important stuff. Which ultimately leads to more, ultimately leads to more podcast episodes down the road. It really does, <laughs> in the long term. If we, if we got for the di- health of the podcast. If we got divorced, we wouldn't keep doing this. <laughs> really? You sure? <laughs> I feel like your commitment level to the podcast is so high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. How do we start uh, talking about the chapter? Um, we do our bullet points. Cool. Our bullet point summary. Awesome. Who's going first? You are. 
Oh, yours are much longer and more in-depth than I mine told are. you. It's, <laughs> I, I have half of a page here. Okay, so I'll go ahead and do my quick little bullet points. Uh, I also know I have written more of a rewrite of the chapter than you, so we're, you know, we're going to balance this out. Okay. Here of mine. Bad luck. Gabe Ugliano. Lost at sea. Lots of beer. Okay. That describes my college years. Uh, threats of violence. Again. Uh, Montauk, which I have a little thing about to go into. Uh, blue motif. We've brought the colors back. Mm-hmm. Uh, strong blue motif, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Heracles reference. Which is uh, one of our first uh, actual Greek mythology references we've gotten. So I was excited about that. Uh, this is one of our first? We haven't gotten very many in terms of like actual stories from Greek mythology. But we're referencing uh, Heracles. You're going to have to do a little more in depth on that. Cause yeah, I'm I'll, I'll, familiar. We'll, we'll get there. Um, bullet point. Oh my god. Uh, which is the translation of what Grover says in this chapter, okay. basically. I. Uh, wow. I love you. What? You went and translated it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, duh. Uh, and then final bullet point is Grover is totes a satyr. Uh, All right. So those are the things that stood out to me from this chapter. How about you? What do gotcha. you got? Um, Percy lied to Grover about waiting taxi ride home sally jackson's story Mm -hmm. tragic parents died uncle all of that yeah yeah uncle had cancer percy's dad lost at sea gabe ugliano and italian racism (laughs) mom comes home to rescue percy from home Magic, question mark. Blue food and rebellion. The cabin in Montauk. The storm. More about dad. Mom knows more than she's telling. Dream. White horse, golden eagle. Grover's legs. Cool. Yeah, uh... So it is an exposition dump of a chapter. There's a lot to talk about here. Yes. There's, uh... There really is. It's very dense. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and it's dense in a way that doesn't feel like plotting and two on the nose, like a lot of Lewis's stuff does. Um, I, I appreciated like what was fit in here in the space allotted. Yeah. And it, and it really flows. Like it Uh definitely communicates effectively too. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm also I do feel like it could have been three separate chapters that were slightly more wordy. But I'm yeah. not mad at it for being one chapter. Yeah. Like, they're getting a lot of expeditions out of the way. Like, I've, there's so much plot left in this book. Yep. I'd like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm, like, having a hard time trying to predict what's going to happen next. Because, like, they're fitting so much into these chapters. Yeah. Just, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be surprised, possibly. Um, what? You? Surprised? I know. How? So, so Percy disses Grover. Yep. He, which he did promise to wait for him at the end of the last chapter. So he 100% lied to him. Yeah. Which is 
interesting considering how lied to he felt by Grover before. Yeah. Like, it is, it's possible that he's just like, it doesn't matter because he's freaking me out and I want to get away from him. Yeah. Which he says, you know, because Grover's really freaking him out about the threads thing. Yeah. But, um, also, Percy just got lied to by Grover and felt really frustrated about it, so... And he just confronted him on it and then lied to him immediately after that, being like, yeah, I'll wait for you, and then booked it out of there. Yeah. So, I don't know. A little, little role reversal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and this is Grover immediately. I'm just disappointed in Percy, that's all. Hops in a cab, starting to head home. Yep. Gets home. And it's at this point, we have a line that I want to talk about. Yes. Uh, he talks about his mother, introduces Sally Jackson. She's been really unlucky. I put down bad luck as a... Uh, another recurring theme because yeah i was wondering why you put that down because i don't feel like because uh, bad luck has been mentioned before with percy yeah. and all of his bad school times and yeah. stuff yeah so this is like a i don't know family curse or something like that maybe but it's uh it's been brought up again uh but she has a super tragic backstory like you know she was at some point the uh the protagonist in a ya novel herself because she's got like this amazingly tragic backstory oh yeah uh, all of her family has died and like you know she's been passed around and like gave it, had to give up on her dreams and yada 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 she wanted to be a novelist yeah how meta um but he uh, he introduces her saying her name is sally jackson and she's the best person in the world and i read that and reading through this chapter i kind of read into a little bit of author wish fulfillment like, uh, much in the same way that I feel like uh, a lot of the Dresden Files, especially the earlier books, is uh, a lot of Jim Butcher, which, which fulfillment of being like, oh, yeah, I'm this tall, manly man, and, like, you know, women hate me because I'm chivalrous and, you know, et yeah. cetera, et cetera, and this, this whole thing that is just like, this is a guy who's gone through a divorce. Yeah. Um, this feels almost a little bit like... Uh, hey, I have issues to work out with my mom from the author's perspective. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you all the reasons why my mom is perfect and she can do no wrong and she married this complete jerk. And yeah. and, and it feels a little bit close to home. I don't know. Like, it could just be a decent writing, but it feels a little bit... Uh... Yeah. Also, I feel like... And you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like this chapter introduces a little bit of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, just a hint that Percy might be an unreliable narrator. Because I feel like this the first half of this chapter is entirely about how like his mom is absolutely perfect and can never do anything wrong and she's been dealt a bad hand and how Gabe who she married is the absolute worst person and like he's a monster and just you know yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. and i feel like it's so black and white and so clear cut that this is a lot of percy's own biases which i mean is a <sighs> lot of what the world looks like at that age yeah like that that's i mean at the age of 11 or 12 or when you're first introduced to the concept of nuance in this kind of way where it really can affect your perspective. Uh -huh. And it takes years to figure out how that flows, you know? Yeah. 
So this that's one of the things about coming-of-age stories is people learning how to look at the world differently. Yeah. And so this is very much indicative. And I think that we're going to see perspectives change from Percy's view throughout this story. And I think that's going to be a part of the character's arc. At least I hope it is because yeah. it's very much presented here as an introduction of how this character sees the world. Uh-huh. And it can be a very powerful tool to show that shift as the narrator is the one growing for an audience. And I think that that's, it's setting up potential. And without it there, you you lose an opportunity to show character growth later. Uh-huh. And I'm just hoping that there's, that that does come full circle and get fulfilled later. Yeah, hopefully so. Because especially in this chapter, like, we we introduce her as being the best person in the world and then end out the chapter by very clearly implying that she's been lying to Percy for a long time. Oh, yeah. So, like, there's a kind of immediate shift there and added depth to her character. Uh, and I want to talk a lot about that, but we also, uh, we talk a little bit about her tragic backstory and then we introduce the character of Gabe. Gabe, Gabe Ugliano. That's a... Uh, this guy. Yeah. That's the Eustace scrub of this book. His name was Gabe Ogliano, and he almost deserved it. Yep. <laughs> I also, and I wrote it down in my bullet points, I also feel like this is very overt racism, just in the way that um, Gabe's character is described, is very, like, this New York, New Jersey Italian guy. Uh-huh. And it's, like... It's kind of gross. Yeah. Like the way that he's described and even from the, he's being described from the perspective of a child. Yeah. And that makes it even more gross to me is that this child has already got this thing in them. So yeah, I just feel like it's even more gross coming from a child's perspective. Because like, he could just not like this guy, 100%. But he hits on very specific like racist comments that are often made about Italian people. Yeah, like he talks about what he smells like. He says that he stinks constantly. Uh-huh. He says he got fatter since the last time that he saw him too. Anyway, I just it feel it felt really gross and I did not want to engage with it. Okay. Well, I think it's worth mentioning cuz it's part of the book and it's how yeah. this character is introduced. Yeah. Um also Percy is Greek so he's got a hate the italians i guess um i don't but know if that's an is actual he, thing though? do we know that yet <laughs> um, who knows who his dad was he was lost at sea um but he, sally was never married to his dad he remembers his dad's smile you know and he talks about that yeah and we find out i mean this is another example of maybe like sally jackson not being the best person in the world uh, you know, she was with Percy's dad, as it says in the chapter, for three months mm-hmm. over a summer. Uh, and she's been pining over this guy that she was with for three months for the past 12 years. Yeah. Married to somebody else. Yeah. We don't ever get a reason why she married Gabe in the first place. Yeah. Like, Gabe has uh, is presented with zero redeeming qualities. Like He act- manages an electronic store, but he never goes there. He- yeah, it, it seems like... Sally actively doesn't like him throughout the chapter based on the way that they interact. Yeah. So, like, why they got married in the first place, I don't know. 
we don't have an answer to that question. Yeah. I mean, it's painting Sally as somebody who was desperate. Uh-huh. Like, the chapter very much heavily paints her as someone who was desperate and needed, like, protection, basically. Yeah. And needed somebody to be a protector. Yep. Those electronic store managers. Uh, so, anyway, our first interaction with him and Percy is Percy coming in and him uh, basically being drunk, painting him as bas- as an alcoholic uh, gambling addict, who every time Percy comes home hits him up for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can he can sniff out money from a mile away or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's used. Uh, and immediately uh, it's just like, "Yep, I bet you have cash. Give it to me. Need it." Yeah. Cool. Percy storms off to his room. I hope you lose. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, which apparently also is Dave's study when Percy's away at school, so it's ba- barely his room. Yeah. Like he really doesn't have his own space here. Yeah. Uh, but then his mom comes in, and we are introduced to Sally Jackson. And her in, wonderful color-changing eyes. And, uh, yes, her eyes sparkle. I was trying to figure out what you were referring to. Her eyes sparkle and change color in the light. Yep. Uh, and, you know, when yeah, she... What I'm referring to is a line in the book, babe. <laughs> Crazy, huh? <laughs> what are you just, referring to? Just, that one right there. You're not just adding character traits. <laughs> Uh, when she looks at me, it's like she's seeing all the good things about me and none of the bad. Which is how he sees her. Yes. Uh, so that's a little, like, I don't know, holding up a mirror kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, but also, she's the one who sent him off to boarding schools for the past however many years. Yeah. So, obviously not only seeing the good things about him, but we'll address maybe why that happens later in the chapter. Yep. Uh, she works at a candy shop. Oh, yeah, and she smells like all of the best things. Yeah. Chocolate and licorice. Yep. <laughs> the first two things on the list. Yeah, we, uh... Did you lose a little respect for Percy at I that did, point? yeah. We gotta... <laughs> I'm not really cheering for Percy anymore. He's yeah. a person who likes licorice. It's kind of... Who, who does that? Her red, white, and blue uniform. Uh, anyway... She brings some candy. They chat for a bit. Uh, they are interrupted by Gabe demanding bean dip. Yep. Because uh, that's a thing you can just throw together in five minutes. Oh, totally. yeah. Totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then Percy kind of explains how his year went and tries to put a good spin on it and being like, yeah, well, maybe it didn't suck quite as much and I'm doing well, better yeah, and, and he, trying to... And he even, like, trying to spin it positively for his mother, he even, like... Is less annoyed with uh, Nancy Boba Nancy Fett. <laughs> I'm never going to stop calling her that, by the way. Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba that's, that, that's going to be a thing for this entire series. I don't know if she stays a character or not. Uh, I I have this very fringe uh, theory that eventually they're going to like have some sort of romantic thing, but okay, whatever. <clears throat> I just certain things made me think that, but like the color red. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, anyway, and Mom surprises him with a trip to the beach. And they're going to Montauk. To their cabin. To the cabin that they always go to, apparently. Where uh, Mom met Dad. Where he was conceived. Probably. <laughs> uh, spent, spent a summer on, in, uh, in the cabin on the beach with this dude. Yep. This swarthy, handsome, rich European. Who I met somewhere. 
Yep. We don't really have any... Uh, and then he was lost at sea. Yep. He's not dead. For sure not dead. Uh, and lost. then he gets super excited. Uh, then we have this whole scene where we have to, you know, convince Gabe to let them go. Apparently. Okay. Because they need to borrow the car. Yeah. Uh, and they're leaving, like... She's coming home. They're leaving in like two hours, and apparently Gabe doesn't even know about it. So it's just he like thought a, that. No, he 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 knew about it. He thought that she was joking when she talked about it. Yeah. So you no, know, suddenly she just comes in and just like, "Yep, actually borrowing the car. We're going to be gone for three days. Good luck. Here's a giant tub of seven layer dip. Yep. Subsist on that. Uh, so yeah, she really doesn't like Gabe, <laughs> based on any of the uh, of the dialogue they share here. Uh, you know, does call him honey though. So yeah, I guess there's that. Maybe at some point she saw some redeeming quality in him. Uh, but they head out yep. and they're going to Montauk, which I You're skipping an important thing that I want to hit on as they leave. Okay, what? Hit, hit, hit some, hit on some. I'll hit it. Yeah, I'll hit it so hard. Oh, the, uh... I will hit it so hard that the screen door will smack you in the butt and throw yes, you up the stairs. That, 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 that. Uh, so kind of the same kind of uh, scenario that happened with uh, Nancy Boba Fett at the fountain. Yeah, but this time, Percy did the same physical action that he saw Grover do on the bus. Uh-huh. As, like, a protective ward type thing. Where yes. he held his hand in, like, a claw thing over his heart. And Percy threw it at Gabe. Yeah. And it knocked Gabe Gabe over. Yeah. Gabe is not a good name for a character that we have to discuss on a podcast. Because I feel like between the two of us, we've said his name right once. Gabe. Gabe. Uh, it's so auditorily difficult. <laughs> what are we going to do? We can't change the name of the character. We could call him Gabriel. <laughs> Ugliano. Uh, old, old Gabe Buggo. I don't know. So, yeah, he, he attacks Gabe magically. Yeah, and this is this is the first introduction of, like, magic magic, like, that, that Percy willfully used. Because we had Percy, like, have this magic pen sword. Uh-huh. And then we had, you know... Oh, he caused the fountain to grab Nancy, theoretically. Yeah, but he he theoretically might have done that. Yeah. Then he has this sword, and then he has this moment where he, like, wants to hurt somebody, and, like, something happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, so they're heading off to Montauk, which I uh, threw in here as a bullet point. Uh, because... And I don't think there's any connection here whatsoever. I'm I'm not uh, in the mental space to try to like come up with some sort of wild theory like that one time I did with, uh, you know, the song in Narnia. So I'm not trying to draw a, a weird connection here like I did with like the song Hallelujah and Chronically Narnia. Uh, yeah. Uh, however, they go to a cabin, the beach, Montauk which is a location that features prominently in another piece of media that I really like, which is the movie Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Okay. Uh, which is where the two main characters uh, initially meet. Uh, you know, spoilers for the movie, they meet there several times. Uh, 
But in the kind of the end sequence of the climax of the movie, uh, Jim Carrey's character is basically having his memory erased. And the last location he's in in this dream sequence is a cabin in Montauk that's being torn apart by a storm. Okay. And I thought that was fun. And I just looked up for, for funsies, the dates that these pieces of media came out, uh, Eternal Sunshine was released in 2004, and this book was released in 2005. Okay. So, I'm not saying that he was inspired, uh, Riordan was inspired by any imagery here, but I just think it was an interesting coincidence. Okay. That, <clears throat> I got you. I wanted to point out. I got you. Cool. I forgot that that specifically is where that movie took place. Yeah. Huh. So, that's a thing. But they go to this crappy little cabin in Montauk, uh, which we describe as being a little really crappy. It's a pastel box with faded curtains half sunken into the dunes. There's always sand in the sheets and spiders in the cabinets. Are there a lot of beach spiders? Yes. Okay. I was just like, spiders at the beach seem like a weird time. But I guess that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Most of the time, the sea was too cold. As somebody who's been to the Atlantic, the sea is always too cold. Like, so let's not even talk about most of the time. Um <laughs> Well, they get there, they set the cabin up, and they, uh, they're they settling in for a fun vacation with lots of blue food. Yep. Would you like to talk about the blue food, Kristen? Well, I mean, the blue food is an act of rebellion. It's very much uh, demonstrating that Sally hasn't lost herself uh-huh. with Gabe. Yeah. And is it, like, I feel like there's a very subtle and veiled structure here in this chapter that shows to me as a reader... Sally's in an abusive relationship with Gabe. Uh-huh. And that in order to protect Percy and keep him at school and things like that, protected from what she knows is going on, mm-hmm. that she is staying in this situation where she is probably being abused because he's very controlling and will only let her do things if she does things for him and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and so this, he said there was no blue food in some argument in the past with them. Yeah. And so she makes a point of always having blue food around, yeah. whether it's blue corn chips or blue taffy or whatever it may be. Uh-huh. Anything that's a food that's blue, uh-huh. she will, she will keep it around as like a subtle rebellion, basically. Mm-hmm. against Gabe. And it's showing very much that she hasn't lost her will or her strength. She is just fighting a different fight. Yeah. Succinct way of putting that. Good yeah. Job. And it's also color imagery. Once again, we had red in Nancy. We have blue in Mom. And we have the color of the sea. Her eyes change to be the color of the sea when they get to the when they get to the cabin. Uh-huh. Um, so she's got these color-shifting eyes, and blue is very much mom's color. Her eyes sparkle like the sea, and they turn the color of the sea and things like that. Yeah. And um, I think that... I think we're going to see a lot more color imagery throughout the uh-huh. book, and I think we just need to keep an eye out for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see what you did there. Yep. Um... <laughs> With my color-changing eyes. So they settle into the cabin. 
they uh and they eat the blue food start talking about percy's dad which is a conversation that's come up before yeah uh and And percy finds out through his mom here that he never actually met his dad but he does sort of remember his dad and now he's confused that's weird isn't it yeah uh he knew he was expecting but he never uh he said he never saw you he had to leave before you were born Jeez, what a guy uh yeah what a what a great guy to pine after for 12 straight years um but for some reason he has this memory of him doesn't actually exist who knows uh, he asks if he's getting sent away again, and his mom is kind of giving these vague answers about, like, well... There was this summer camp that your dad wanted me to send you to? Yeah, he left six months before you were even born, but he had this conversation with me, the person he's known for three months and knocked up, that, uh, when he comes of age, you're gonna have to send him to this summer camp. Like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that is weird. That's a... You now keep this in mind for the, you know, the next 13 years, this summer camp... Yep. It's still going to be around, trust me. Oh, You'll yeah. You'll send him there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. At, at the time, I, I feel like she would have thought that was odd, unless she uh, has a bit more knowledge about what's going on and who he is. Correct. She says things that imply that she does know. Yeah. Because she talks about him being an important person and stuff like that. Like, yeah. the way she talks about him... To me, I'm like, yeah, she totally knows. Yeah. Is is Sally Jackson a regular human woman? Or That's is... the question. Because with her bad luck, I would say that it, I wouldn't assume so. Uh-huh. Like, with her with her young adult main character backstory. Yeah. Young adult fiction main character backstory. She doesn't seem like somebody who is just a normal person. Yeah. She uh, is the chosen one, if you will. Yeah, something like that. There's something of her th- own story. Yeah, there's something special about her, but also like we know from the very beginning of the book, like Percy is referring to himself as a half blood, uh, which kind of implies, you know, he is half human and half whatever else. Yeah. So maybe she does have to be a, a regular human. We'll see. Uh also uh are we just calling it now that his dad is Poseidon? Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. <laughs> we're, we're speculating here. Still speculating. Yeah. Yeah. He's lost at sea. He is. The sea. Yeah. He is the sea. Well. Well. Uh, and, you know, she expresses concern that he hasn't been safe even at Yancey. It's not far enough away. Uh, and then he has this sequence of memories of, like, his previous school experience and weird things happening that he didn't really register before. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, this big guy in a trench coat that had one eye stalking him at a playground. Or, like, uh, and this is my bullet point for Heracles' reference. Uh, before that really early memory, I was in a preschool and a teacher accidentally put me down for a nap in a cot that a snake had slithered into. My mom screamed when she came to pick me up and found me playing with a limp, scaly rope I'd somehow managed to strangle to death with my meaty toddler hands. Um, and this is a, a direct one-for-one one reference to a story of Hercules as a baby who uh, somebody, I forget who in the story, attempts to murder him by putting poisonous snakes in his crib and he yeah. kills them. Yeah. So... You said Heracles. Same person. Hercules. Yeah. Hercules is the the bastardized Western version of it. It's Heracles. Heracles and... 
Cool. Got it. Okay. Yeah. If you had just said Hercules, <laughs> I would have understood what you were saying. I was like, who the, who, oh. who's Hercules? Try, trying to be uh, historically accurate here I'm with sorry. our work. Got it. Uh, so anyway, that's an exact story taking from the, the Hercules myth. Yes. So. And we have Cyclops presented as well. Yeah. So we have more mythological references. Yes. Was uh, there one more? It was the, 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 the toddler snakes and the. Cyclops and Cyclops. then that was it. There wasn't another one? No. Okay. Um, but. His mom's just like, yep, uh, I don't know how we're going to keep you safe, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and uh, she's using I, that word safe, which means she knows that something's hunting him. Yeah, uh, and but she doesn't want to send him off to this camp because he might not ever come back. Yeah. So we don't know what's going on there. Uh, so we have this vague conversation. That night he has a dream. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should talk about the dream a bit because, like, I can't figure this one out. I haven't looked really hard into it, but, like, I'm for fear of getting spoilers about anything. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying really hard to figure out the symbolism here because he has this dream about a white horse and a golden eagle. Yes. Uh, fighting at the edge of the surf. Correct. Uh, and he's not either of these creatures. He is there trying to keep them from killing each other. And he hears a subtle cackling laughter that seems like it comes from the earth goading them on to kill each other. Yeah. What do we think this is about? Excellent question. If I knew more about the mythology, I might be able to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, the golden eagle in Greek mythology is uh, Zeus's personal messenger. Uh-huh. And the white horse in Greek mythology would be Pegasus, son of Poseidon. Uh-huh. So fascinating could be some references to stuff like that that are a little too subtle for my no. lack of knowledge about mythology yeah but he runs to run but they're also them. color specific which i find interesting too again with the color symbolism yeah we've introduced white and gold now uh and he runs toward them knowing he has to stop them from killing each other screaming stop but, but he also late. knows he can't get there in time yeah but before anything happens Wakes up. So we don't have a victor. Correct. Uh, and there is a storm uh, just pounding the beach outside. Yep. And it seems like a hurricane. We don't get hurricanes this early in the summer. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. Also, like, in my memory, a hurricane has hit New York exactly once. So, like, he, he him implying that this is a regular occurrence is uh, not necessarily accurate. I might <laughs> be wrong about that. You might be wrong I have to look that. at the history of hurricanes in New York. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. I feel like they get that far up the coast frequently, but... Uh, so there's the sound of crashing waves, crashing lightning, crashing, uh, you know, crashing things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm using that word a lot. Yep, it's generally <laughs> crashing. They're about to get in a car. Do you think it's going to crash? Yeah, and then he hears somebody yelling and pounding at the door. Yes. And... I would go open it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, his mom springs out of bed, throws the door open, and, hey, look, it's Grover. Grover! Grover's there. But not Grover. Well, it, it top half looks like Grover. It specifically says Grover, but not Grover. Yeah. Uh, and then she looks at him. It's implied that she immediately knows who he is. Yeah. Because he's just like, who's this? Why are you here? Uh, she turns to Percy and is like, what didn't you tell me? Yep. So, again, 
she knows a lot more than she's letting on. 100%. Uh, has apparently seen Grover before. Uh, Then Grover uh, curses out an ancient Greek. Yep. Uh, which uh, did trans- understood did translate well. that. I'm I'm surprised you didn't look up what that means. Um, but it uh, essentially means oh my god or by the gods or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which uh, apparently is cursing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and he says it's right behind me. Didn't you tell her? You know, mm-hmm. whatever's coming. You know, he barely got here in time. Yeah. Uh, Percy, for some reason, understands exactly what he says in ancient Greek. Yeah. So, that's a fun new ability he has. Uh, and then there's something else weird about Grover, other than the fact that he's here. Uh, doesn't have any pants on. Also, doesn't have regular legs anymore. Correct. And Percy suddenly understands how he could run so fast and still look like he was limping when he was walking. Yep. Because he has hoofs. Uh-huh. Uh, but he kind of stammers out a quick explanation of like the weird stuff that he encountered that he didn't tell his mom about mrs dodds and the things and yeah. the stuff and and she's just threads. Bit, she's just like you know what get to the car now we gotta go uh we mentioned you know to really spell it out that grover has cloven hooves yep cool he's some sort of uh fawn or satyr type thing and that's it chapter yep. ends right there indeed where they're escaping the cabin in the storm indeed <sighs> all right i think i hit all my bullet points um storm summer camp uh we had another uh water-based imagery uh-huh uh that was describing ugliano as a tuskless walrus um which i found interesting it could have been unintentional and just subtle but it it's it made me laugh because if his father really is Poseidon, it's really funny to be like, and my mom's now with this tuskless walrus. Yeah. That's, just thought I'd, thought I'd point that line out. More secret or references. Yeah. Not dead, lost at sea, the magic ward, broken promise, safety. Like, it's just, all of it's about safety. Uh-huh. This summer camp, she talks specifically about keeping Percy safe by sending him to school. Yeah. And, like, what is she keeping him safe from? Is it from Gabe? Is it from something else that she knows more about? Like, Yeah. And it seems like she's trying to keep Percy safe from something else. Yeah. How much did Percy's dad tell her during the three months they spent together? Like, Yeah, and, like... For real, how much, when should she have started telling Percy? Like, uh-huh. I mean, from childhood, he's been at risk. Yeah. From from being in a crib. Yeah. He's been at risk. Why has she not said anything sooner? Yeah. That really doesn't seem like she's the greatest person in the world, but that's yeah. just my opinion. <laughs> You're just disagreeing with yeah, Percy I'm not, on that I'm not point. Percy. Cool. Um... So that's a chapter. Uh, we end in a high action note. Let's yep. see what happens next chapter uh, when his mom teaches him how to bullfight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, apparently. That's what's happening in the next chapter. I'm gonna meet a bull. wonder if it's a minotaur. Ooh, maybe. All right. Uh, what do we do next, Kristen? Uh, do we do our rewrites next? We do. Okay. In fact, 
Uh, I do have mine written down. I don't know if you do or not. So you went first on the bullet points. Should yeah. I go first on this? Uh, yeah, go ahead. All right. Here we go. I'm a 78 Camaro living in the city. New York City. Where no one owns cars or drives them. But look at me. Gabe is an excellent owner. He never lets anyone get their dirty hands on me. And I feel like we have a really good life. I mean, we did until the Jackson lady. Well, her kid, really. We cars, well, most of us, don't like kids all that much. They just bring messes. So I'm just sitting on the street one day. First day of summer, it seems, because the kid came home today. I really didn't see this coming. But Gabe let Sally and Percy take me to Montauk. Can you believe that? I I know he didn't feel right about it. He stumbled going inside. Maybe he was in grief. I know I was as we headed away. Crumbs from blue corn chips filling my seats. Oh. But it was an uneventful drive. Then the storm started. My tires weren't made for this. And I hate when wet people get inside. Why are they rushing? And who's this guy with the weird feet? It's too late at night for this. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. <sighs> I liked your story. Thank you. It's cute. You're welcome. Uh, I also read a, wrote a rewrite uh, complaining about Percy. Oh, <laughs> so. <Okay. laughs> We both Parent. we both complained about Percy yeah. this one, huh? Yeah, we we should explore that. Yep. Uh, but here's mine. <clears throat> These freaking kids, man! It's like they all got a death wish or something. I've been doing this for what now, a few hundred years now, and they ain't never gonna change. This one, Percy. I thought I, I thought I did it all right. Kept the riffraff off of him long enough to. Waited to spill the beans on anything till we were out in the middle of nowhere with nobody around and nothing for him to run off and get himself killed by. Now, of course, the fates had to show up. Like, know-it-all old broads. Kid gets spooked, of course, and ditches my furry butt. First chance he gets. Now he's got the old sword hanging over his head and I've got to track him down before the big one rolls in. I need a friggin' raise. <laughs> so is this is this your take on on like an aged Grover. Uh, this is this is jaded New York Grover. Yeah, like twenty years in the future. I think it's no. I think I think it's implied that Grover's uh, older than we think he is because he's gone through this with several different kids. Like yes. he's just like it's always sixth grade. So like he can't he can't be that young. I mean, but it also is that he was held back in school, so it's still plausible that he is. I have an age to go to this school. Yeah, I mean, it's... And to be and, in sixth grade. Unless he gets a new kid every year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, I got the impression that Grover might be older than we, we think he is. Oh. He's been doing this for a while. I see. He's got business cards and everything. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see as it goes. We'll uh -huh. find out more about him. Yeah. Cool. So that's my take on Grover. Alrighty. This guy. Yeah. This guy. Lives in his pants. Oh, yeah. 
<sighs> All right. Christoph. It also says unexpectedly loses his pants in the title as if, like, he was yeah. running and his pants fell off. Yeah. He showed up without his pants on. Like, he did that on purpose yeah. for his ease of movement. Yeah. Uh, that was a that was like a Lewis uh, bait and switch there with the chapter title. Yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh. What else do we do? Oh, our favorite sentence. Oh, I, we I, were supposed to do that first. I keep forgetting that's a segment now, and I never find one. So, well, mine is. I was too shocked to register that he'd just cursed in ancient Greek, and I'd understood him perfectly. My favorite sentence is. Uh, Gabriel won't have to settle for bean dip. So. Okay. <laughs> anyway. She does call him Gabriel, doesn't she? Yeah. She does a full name there. That's. Once or twice. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Kristen, you want to take us out? Sure. Uh, I will definitely, definitely take us out. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter four of chapter three, as we discussed chapter three of The Lightning Thief. Join us next week as we discuss chapter four, My Mother Teaches Me Bullfighting. And in the meantime, if you want to interact with us, you can do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of color changing eyes at you're really stuck on that one i really am i really am <laughs> at chronically podcast at gmail.com you can also support us on patreon and get absolutely nothing in return at or at patreon.com slash chronically podcast mm-hmm. and until next time when you have the opportunity to drive a camaro take it <laughs> and maybe uh occasionally tell your kid a thing or two that'll keep him safe yeah and yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a thought. It's just a thought. <laughs> it's just a thought. No. Bye. Bye. Thought you were ready to record yeah, for us. Yeah, I did too. I really did too. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter four of uh, chapter three. As we discussed chapter three. Uh, basically, uh, it's implied that he. And recenter myself. And welcome to Chronically Narnia. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia. Hello. Hello. What's this podcast called? Do you want to say his first name, though, one more time? Gabe Ugliano. Gabe. Got it. Not Gabe Ugliano. Okay. It's Gabe Ugliano. Okay. I... Okay, Dave Ugliano, Gabe Ugliano, and he almost deserved it. Yeah, that Freudian slope there. Hello, 
and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discussed, discuss. Okay, I'm gonna gather your thoughts. Hello, 